Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to episode, I have no idea what number we're on now. And actually I should probably stop saying it in case we want to switch it up a bit. But uh, yes, this is Bug Eyes Rock Pop Rambles weekly podcast with some music trivia, a lot of a lot of rambles, a lot of uh, non factual based uh, storytelling. So please do correct us if you want to uh, at rockpoprambles at gmail dot com. My name's Angela, and I'm with Paula today from Bug Eye. You're going to say something, Paula. I was. I don't think it's just rambles and non-factual base. We've delved deep into the internet to research this. Although this week, I believe you've actually read a book. I have read a book. Yeah, it's the first book I've ever read. No, it's just, just yeah, I have read other books. <laughs> I did actually read, a, a binge, binged a book this week um, and took loads of notes and then read loads of articles. It's the most research I've ever done. And then when I look back at my notes, it's like, oh, actually, I could have just read Wikipedia, Wikipedia. one article Jinx. to get this. Um, <laughs> so I don't know that I'll do that again. But anyway, um, so... I mean, fair play. I think reading reading an entire book in four days for a podcast, that's some going. It's a good book. It's a good book, but I'll talk about that in a, in a minute anyway. Um, can I borrow it after? You can, you can. You certainly can. So we are Bug Eye, a band who uh, have our own podcast called rock pop rambles and this week's going to be slightly different because at the end of the show i am actually going to chuck our new single at the end because i'm ever so proud of what we're doing at the moment and we've got an album an album on pre-order at the moment through reckless yes records so though this podcast isn't about our music it's about everyone else's i do want to share that so it'll be at the very end of the show so if you can't be asked to listen to it you can just not listen to it and switch off but um (laughs) When they, so yeah but uh it's called when the lights go out so i'm definitely putting it putting it out there but uh yes we we are bug eye just and, one minute yeah if you can't be asked to listen to it i mean how are you promoting our music well no the thing is this podcast is about the podcast is about other people's music and stories and it's not it's not oh you know us doing karaoke every week although that could be a fun feature so uh mate yeah. we need to get on that yeah, so, I, you know, some people here to listen, amazingly, people were listening. So thank you, everyone out there listening to the podcast. We're, we've gone global. We've got people from all over the planet uh, listening, mainly because they're in isolation and probably don't have anything else to I'm do. Still, I'm still processing this karaoke idea. I mean, like Peter Kay does carpool karaoke. We could do ISO karaoke. <laughs> ISO karaoke with household objects as, as music. Music, musical, totally. musical accompaniment. Oh, Kerry, I'm totally taking over your drums. <laughs> Pots and pans, here we come. You know, I mean, I'm moving at the moment and I'm just looking around this place and about the amount of things I could use for percussion. Oh, oh, listeners out there. We were actually talking just before starting this because Paula is packing and she has an absolute pile of shit in her house. Like she's got, she doesn't throw anything away. Um, it's it's like going into one of those kind of antique shops, but without the antiques, just stuff everywhere. So I was thinking that for our Patreon um, patrons, 
we could, you know, every month you could select a treasure from the trove and uh, allow people to bid on it. Because we do have a Patreon site, so if you like the show, please do come and join us. Search for Bug Eye and you'll find us on there. There's CDs, videos, bonus podcast episodes and, and stuff from Paula's house now that I've decided that we're going to give away. <laughs> She's auctioning my shit, seriously. Anyway, should we, should we get started? This week, I'm going to talk about Lily Allen who I know Paula was cursing me that I, I got there before she did because I know she wanted to cover um, Lily Allen, but I'd already started, already started the research. And then my new music discovery is Chemtrails, who I will talk about in a moment, actually. Who are you doing this week, Paula? Well, I mean, I kind of feel like I've been very sort of straight and auto, not autobiographical, that would be about me, biographical in the people that I've covered. So today I've delved deep into the internet let's say you're gonna cover the internet <laughs> the whole of the world wide web absolutely that's what i'm covering uh, <laughs> no i've delved into the internet's trashier side and i'm gonna cover um courtney love's arguments feuds with different people and i've got new music from the sea monsters who i think are bloody ace they are a cracking band. I, again, so, you know, I picked Chemtrails and then you picked who I was also going to contact. Actually, I did contact Sea Monsters for another show, but you've got in there first mm-hmm. with them. Yeah, it was the same with my, my band for um, Balcony Fest, which is an online festival, which I um, help curate. It's a festival created by Joyzine and then a load of other blogs and promoters also help with that and we all select an artist to put on and I for sea monsters and then um Beckdale sound test bloody contacted them before me so it's just I'm just last to the post man gotta be in it to win it right okay so I let's crack um, on yeah let's crack on I'm gonna play some new music so I've rambled enough for the moment um so I'm gonna play you chemtrails and this song is called paranoiacs is paranoiacs isn't it yeah p-a-r-a-n- O-I-A-C-S. I'm not very good at pronouncing things other than four-letter words, so, you know. So, Kem Charles, if you mispronounce the name of your song, apologies. Around like that, cut me some slack. 
Chemtrails back chemtrails band. That was chemtrails. <laughs> and so I was just trying to like merge a few sentences into one 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 in that, that point. I'm stuttering, sorry. I do actually have a stutter. Think, pause, stop. Okay. That was chemtrails and um their fantastic song Paranoics. And you can find them on Twitter at chemtrails underscore band. Search them on Spotify, follow them, like them, add them to a playlist um they're also on facebook so you can find them if you search chemtrails and they have a band camp too so uh what is their band camp let me find it for you uh, 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 um yeah so it's if you go onto band camp it's a dose of chemtrails dot pat oh yeah i can't speak today a dose of chemtrails.bandcamp.com but i'll put a link to it in the show description uh so you can you can go and buy their stuff because they're really really cool they're I said before they formed in 2016 well i didn't say that before but i'm telling you now <laughs> they formed in 2016 uh as a sort of lo-fi bedroom recording project by romantic partners mia and laura and they soon got signed by PNK SLM Recordings and gained quite the reputation for their DIY attitude. And if you look back at their balcony video, you just see that the efforts they put into things, like the, the songwriting is there. It's it's so... I think they're, they're quite an inspiring band and I think it's quite uh, high energy. There's a new wave punkiness to it that harks back to sort of blondie there's i i pick up a snippet of like b52s in their stuff but also it's it's got that sort of modern edge so it's really not just like a kind of uh an old school sounding band at all they've got a lot of um fantastic influences that they cite like the pixies and blondie and sixies psychedelia which totally is accurate description for them but i would i would say really interesting band and i think you know you're going to hear a lot, a lot from them. But what did you think, Paula? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I think they're brilliant, and I, re- I, to be honest, I didn't know anything about them until um, I saw them playing on that kind of balcony fest. It's uh, well, what they did. So the balcony fest is like an online festival. But what they did, That's it. they had yes, yeah, an online, it's an online festival, and there's a number of bands and loads of promoters involved, including Crocoland, um, Benumu. Loud Women, God is in the TV, 
the Zine UK. I wasn't even aware of Chemtrails until I saw them playing at that. And I, I was just like, oh my God, this is a band that I totally want to find out about. Exactly. I, like, as bad as things are at the moment, and I get we're all missing live music, I get it. But there are, I guess, options out there to like still discover new music. I mean, normally you'd be going to a random pub on a random night like to watch your mate's band or someone that you've heard of and you'd see like four or five other bands but I think there are still outlets out there that are kind of maybe not filling the void in like the way that we'd like it to be but they are there if that makes sense okay should I do you want to go first or should I go first go on so I'm just going to jump straight into this and if I start waffling Paula do tell me to Mm -hmm. shifty on because I did do a lot of research on this Mm -hmm. Um, and some of this you may know some of this you may not know but I sort of wanted to cover her story to dispel some of the the myths around her and her success and I think she's had a lot of stick over the years and I mean completely agree you know you you could say that that goes hand in hand with being celebrity in the pop world but it's a very unfair and damaging world to be in and I don't think people really fully appreciate the story behind this Mm -hmm. fabulous artist so here we go so Lily was born on the 2nd of May 1985 fellow Torinese yeah Leo's rule nah they do anyway it's proven facts ask anyone (laughs) yeah Jog on. Anyway, she's an English singer, songwriter and author. She is the daughter of Keith Allen, who is an actor, comedian and documentary maker, and Alison Owen, who is a very successful film producer. So she had, you know, pretty cool parents. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a lot of this, people have said in the media that have created this, that Lily only got a record deal because of her dad. And she's daddy's little girl and all of this, which, you know, there, there is a small truth within yeah. the record deal bit, which I'll come on to in a moment. Um, but, you know, the, the story of her being a daddy's girl couldn't be further from from the truth. Really? And, because yeah, what, that's like quite yeah. a big sort of narrative that goes around her, isn't it? I know. It's and it's just, she it's just kind of like was true. her dad sorted it all out for her. Oh, God. No, 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 no. Um, I mean, she... Yeah, I mean, it's look, it's her dad. It's clear that she loves him, same mm-hmm. with her mum. But her and her dad just have never really had a good relationship at all. I mean, he walked out on the family when she was just four years old, so she didn't really have much of a chance to have a connection with him. Um, but the press, as I said, would have you believe quite differently on that. And then her mother was um, also quite a busy film producer mm-hmm. and... You know, Lily also had a brother and sister and she actually quite felt isolated and alone as a child um, and vying for her parents' attention and that just always being a bit of a a battle. I mean, her parents were quite young when they had kids and were were still trying to, you know, establish their own careers and things like that. And so quite often, um, and I'm sure in their own way, they thought they were doing the best they could, but she sort of felt like she was not really on their list of priorities at all. Um, I mean, what she says about her dad is that um, dad didn't do childcare. Mostly when it came to dad looking after us, it was cancellations, crap excuses and disappointments. So, you know, that that kind of sets the tone for that. But mm-hmm. then her, her mum did, did go on to meet someone else 
And what I didn't realise was for a while her stepdad, Lillian's stepdad, was Harry Enfield. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't remember. I think. I think. Her I mo- don't know why that's making me smile, but it really is. And like, he, he genuinely. Was, and he was actually really great. Like he'd do activities with her. He took on yeah. a lot of the childcare and things like that. She, she just has really kind words to say about mm-hmm. him. Actually, in the book, where you know, with regards to her dad, there's this sort of anger undertone of anger still um, there. So, I mean, she felt quite detached as a kid. She bounced from school to school. She went to nine schools in total. Um, so some of that I was about to swear there, but that's in that's insane. Like well, as a child, yeah. Like, I mean, well, some of that was there's not a huge amount of stability there, is there? Well, no. Some of it was because of moving around, and some of it mm-hmm. was because of her attitude and actually being kicked out of school. Mm-hmm. I mean, she actually was expelled from a boarding school through um, deciding to just go to Glastonbury. Um, really? And yeah, and she was kicked out. So there's also this rumor that you know, um, you know, Lily talks all street and things like that, but she's really posh and X Y Z. And look, she went to various schools and she never really got on at any of them. Mm-hmm. She didn't last more than a year at most of them. Um, Jesus, that's insane. No, exactly, like... exactly. So I mean, if I could just crack on with this, mm-hmm. so she didn't get any GCSEs. She didn't go to college or university she quit school basically at 15 and one of her like kind of walking out comments was to a teacher who she does actually thank in the credits of I think it's her first album um who who basically said that she was going to amount to nothing through walking out of school and she went well I'm going to be a singer and you know at the time Lily didn't even know why she said that because she wasn't really in she liked music Mm -hmm. but she wasn't really like a singer or performing or really had that on her radar so you know that was um that was her parting comment and she said that because she'd said it out loud she sort of had to make it happen now so uh yeah and i'd I'd, play yeah that teacher's a dick by the way um you know if kids walk out of school and if there's like bad attitudes there's normally something else going on you Mm -hmm. fucking idiot so you know why try and make someone feel even shitter about themselves Anyway, um, fact, Lily did do her first solo performance at junior school, though. Um, she sang Baby Be Mine from Dumbo. I don't know that I've seen Dumbo, to be oh, fair. Oh, Paulie, you've never seen anything. Uh, and I don't think this is the time to be watching something like that. It's going to be too no, emotional, make, isn't it? No, it'll make you cry. But anyway, it was a significant moment for her because she was picked to sing... And she'd pretty much felt invisible growing up um, and with her dad walking out and, you know, and all of that. So, I mean, her mum was flat out of work, so I'm not saying that she shouldn't have been working. But I suppose for a a child, she was just finding that quite difficult. So when she was selected, she was picked out to sing. It just made her feel really quite special. Mm -hmm. Um, And that, that feeling stuck with her. Anyway, like I said, Lily quit school. She went to work as a waitress. She worked as a runner for production companies. She grafted still, Mm -hmm. you know. And then she'd also started to hang out with her dad at a studio because she wanted, she did want to have her dad's attention. So she sort of did whatever she could. So she hung out at the studio while he was doing sort of coke and getting drunk with his mates who formed a band, actually. He formed that band with Damien Hurst, the artist, and Alex James from Blur. And that band was called Fat Les. Do you remember that? Nope. They had um, the awful... I'm think... sorry, I'm going to say, it was an awful song. You will know it. It was Vindaloo 
that scored oh. a top 10 hit and was the unofficial anthem of the 1998 World Cup. I remember Vindaloo. Vindaloo. I can't say I remember Fat Les do, or do, do, do. who was in it. Yeah, yeah, totally remember the Vindaloo. Yeah. The Vindaloo. Vindaloo. Yeah. Anyway, it was around that time that Keith, her dad, decided that Lily and him worked together to, um, to make an album. Because mm-hmm. uh, she'd sung like a little bit of backing vocals And I suppose it was a way for them to try and have something in common Yeah And he did get them a record deal with London Records But it was a deal that wouldn't really go anywhere um, So and Lily was 17 at this time So she'd recorded an album that the record company weren't doing anything with She was stuck being signed to them And so mm-hmm. she was advised, you know, just, just try and get out the contract Walk away, which is exactly what she tried to do only to be hit with a letter saying that the record label were going to sue her for over three million quid. For what? For trying to get out of the contract? Yeah, yeah. Even though they weren't doing anything with the album because they obviously thought it wasn't very good or they just weren't interested in it um, for whatever reason. Uh, so, you know, she was feeling pretty done with music at that I point. totally get that, to be fair. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, so so my point is, so that was a record deal that her dad got a yes they didn't actually do anything with the yeah. record. Just goes to show that it doesn't matter if you've got a celebrity parent. It, that doesn't guarantee you success mm-hmm. in in any any sort of way. It might open a few doors to people to consider something, um, which I absolutely think it does if you want if you're in those circles because mm-hmm. it is partly about networking. But mm-hmm. that will only get you so far. And and this this didn't get didn't get released. So moving on. So um, she was pretty much done with music. So. She went on to train as a florist. Really? Yeah. And she actually, this was the only thing she stuck with at school. She trained to be a florist and qualified. She's fully qualified to florist. What do you do to qualify? There must be some kind of like industry thing, I guess. Well, yeah, um, well, she, well she went to school and got a qualification. Mm-hmm. So uh, she didn't just go in her garden and pick some flowers. I picture some daisies. Here you go. Anyway, being 17, <laughs> a lot mm-hmm. was going on for her. Right. Um, and this 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 was a big turning point for her. Anyway, she was living with her boyfriend, Lester. And they were together for about 18 months when he decided he was going travelling with some friends. Mm-hmm. Um, Lily suffers from codependency. She really does latch on to people um, and especially men and sort of want them to look after her and protect her keep her safe and she focuses way too much on that and like they're her future and everything and she says this in her book so this isn't me you know she admits this is this has been a big problem for her so when he phoned her and said that he didn't want to be with her anymore and that was it it was over you can imagine that hit her quite hard it was another rejection you know she was always vying for to get someone she loved to notice her Mm -hmm. and for her to be the important one and here's someone who she desperately loved who rejected her. So she took an overdose, basically. Mm-hmm. And her mum found her and, and sent her to the, the priory. And this is, this is I, to me, I think this is a start of a bit of a downward spiral, an upward yeah. spiral for her success in music, but a path of self-destruction um, along the way. Mm-hmm. So anyway, she... In the once she was in the priory, she found out that the record company were actually going to drop any kind of claim to her and just let her go. So that was a bit of a release, a release, a relief even. And then she got a manager 
called George Lamb was someone who she met when she was in Ibiza, um, became friends with, called her up, decided he was going to manage her um, and set her up with the producer's future cut in Manchester. Um, yeah. And while she's in Manchester, she stayed with Bez from the Happy Mondays. Really? Yeah. And on the very first day, she wrote Smile, which is a breaking up song about Lester. But if you hear it, it's like, even though it's about something that really hurt her and quite deep it's got such it's such a sound of summer it's such a great song absolutely so catchy agree. so upbeat but listen to the lyrics absolutely brilliant and in the space of a couple of weeks of starting to write she'd written five songs that would later make the album um and i mean the thing is i i just have to say this again like i you know I really love her lyrics because it's, I love the honesty with it. And she's, she's, yeah. she's singing about things she knows, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's really quite personal. And she's just got this ability to sort of um, tell a story with yeah. with those lyrics, but in a really modern I think she's a great way. lyricist. Um, and the lyrics are not tacky or contrived. It's mm-hmm. just really original. And she's really imaginative as well. Like LDN is, is about, you know, she says she wrote that song through you know people watching and wondering mm-hmm. you know what those people's stories were what were they going on to do and you know what were their houses like what jobs did they have mm-hmm. who were they with and all of all of those things um so it's so it stands to reasons her music connected with people in an everyday sense it, it isn't escapism it's life as it happens and that's why i think she she did so well but anyway um she says from her book so I'm just going to quote from her book and her book is called My Thoughts Exactly it's a really good book recommend you get it she says that um, I think part of the reason my music felt different was because I wrote it without knowing any rules she didn't study music or go to performing Mm -hmm. arts school or really take singing lessons when she was younger or anything like that Um, connections to a degree do open doors but like with her first deal it doesn't mean you get success and what I also want to say, she wasn't an overnight success, which is another myth mm-hmm. that people say is that she just, you know, there was all these PR stunts, which I'll go on to in a moment about. Yeah. But anyway, she had these five awesome songs and they were shipped to every record label pretty much on the planet and they were rejected. No one wanted really? them. Yep. I didn't know that. Yep. So again, can people please stop saying because of her dad? that she had an easy ride of it. She didn't. Like, a lot of artists, she got rejections. She may have got mm-hmm. some inroads, but those inroads still weren't interested yeah. in, in, in signing her. Um, but anyway, you know, read the book. She goes into a lot about this, and I'm not going to read her book word for word or anything like that. But um, <laughs> Please narrate it for me. But, yeah, on Wikipedia, <laughs> so I'll just get to... Because I want to make sure I quote other people. Um, mm-hmm. It says that in 2005... She finally did get a record deal with Parlophone and it was for 25k. Shit's in a huge amount really, isn't no, it? No, it's not and that was for five albums. So, you know, that was Flippin a heck. really rubbish deal. Uh but the thing is that labels, even though they signed her, they just left her to it. They didn't really do mm-hmm. anything with their they'd big they had like a cold play release out there, they had an all saints yeah. comeback album to plan. Not an excuse, but the point that I'm trying to make here is that she got a record deal. They didn't, she like, still had to grasp. She she made this happen, and I'll tell you how she made it happen. Um, I mentioned before that you know 
we're led to believe that there was this whole PR stunt campaign mm-hmm. around her and it was an overnight success on social media. Uh, but that's not that's not true. But the, here's some of the things that happened. All Saints was supposed to record with Greg Kirst- Kirsten. Oh, I'm so rubbish with names. Producer is famous as well. So, But that's why we have our corrections email. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Rock pop rambles at Gmail. Um, anyway, All Saints pulled a no-show. So rather than lose studio time and money, they said, oh, well, we've got... Where's that Lily Allen person? Let's just cheat and go in there and use that time. Mm-hmm. So she worked with Greg and she'd work with him again in the future. Um, recorded some stuff. And she basically just put the tracks on her MySpace page because, again, her label weren't doing anything. MySpace? MySpace, yes. Yeah, so she had a MySpace profile. Um, Old school. She had a true DIY spirit and embraced this platform, not knowing that, you know, this this would be the future of how a lot of artists yeah, would yeah, yeah, yeah. promote themselves, remember. So there wasn't any tried and tested mm-hmm. way of doing things on these platforms. But she was on there and... Um, she met people using it. She chatted with fans. Yeah. And um, it was a place before it was absolutely saturated with artists trying to do the same thing. So she made mixtapes that she'd put online and say, does anyone want them? She chatted with people. So she really connected mm. on a one-to-one basis with people. She wrote a blog, a blog, a blog even, which is these <laughs> late night rambles, um, because she was very honest Mm-hmm. on there and uh there was no filter let's just yeah. let's just say um anyway traffic started to build and she did things like she made 500 she talked her label into doing this and they went okay we'll run 500 copies of a seven inch 500 copies this is parlophone like come on all right anyway they made drop in the pond isn't it they made 500 copies of a seven inch which pretty much sold out immediately Mm-hmm. And then came the call for her to be on the cover of Observer Music Monthly. And this is when her label started to actually take notice of her because yeah. other people started. To, it, it's, yeah. it was like the wrong way round. But anyway, um, with growing success also came negative comments about her, left, right and centre, paranoia, and rightfully yeah. so. Her ex-boyfriend Lester sold his story to the news of the world uh, the headline being Our Mad Sex Romp in the Forest on E. What? I mean, even if that happened, is that really appropriate? I mean, you were with someone for, I don't even care if you're with them for two weeks, like show some respect, man. And so it was just like the portrayal of that. And then obviously mm-hmm. there's things like, you know, internet trolls, more shitty headlines about her weight, her attitude, etc. She's 17. She's oh, I was just about to ask, you know, what, what age was she when she did this? Because, yeah. man, like, I'm, I can guarantee you at 17, I would not have been able to process that. It'd have been really hurtful. I mean, it'd be hurtful at any age, but... It all took its toll on on mm-hmm. Lily. And uh, her second album she did was was absolutely incredible. It won three Ivan Novello Awards in 2010. Yeah. But by 2019, the drinking and drugs and partying really, really was... You know, she had a real problem. And she decided to retire from music and open a clothes shop with her sister, partly to repair their relationship. And the song Back to the Start is actually about her sister and asking to start again. Yeah, I knew that. I Did love you? that song. Yeah. So at this at this point, she, she decided to go into business with her sister. 
And uh, it was a shop in Covent Garden, I think. Was it? Was it in Covent Garden? I'd be hard placed to confirm or deny that. I think it was called Lucy in Disguise. I didn't. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that ring that totally rings a bell. I just can't. I don't remember if it's in Covent Garden or Soho. It was somewhere in London for sure. Anyway, the shop got a shitload of press, and a film crew um, was following them around making a documentary. Which I I didn't watch the documentary, but I remember seeing lots about it at the time. But it was one of those fly on the wall things. The shop didn't do well, like press wise and all of that. Great, but they spent too much money on creating um, the shop. And it just didn't make financial sense. So they cut their losses and, um, yeah, they'd lost an estimated 1.5 million on that basis. Yeah. Anyway, 2010, so moving on, Mm -hmm. she is with a guy called Sam, who she was with for quite some time, who's the father of her children. And she had a first child, George, although George died in childbirth. Um, The cord was wrapped around his neck and as as the head was crowning, they couldn't find a pulse. Um, so he died, and she was still made to. We're well not still because you have to at that stage. She still had to go through the labour, and it took mm-hmm. ten hours to Jesus. to get George out. That's that's so so traumatic. Um, I can't even imagine how horrific. No, that must have been. And Lily got quite. So she was like literally like the next day, just sent home from hospital without Mm -hmm. their child and uh like i say i think in this story what you see is a young person just getting knock after knock after knock and i'm not saying Mm -hmm. that she's unique in that sense but this is all in the public eye yeah and people are judging her you know was she looking after her health when she was pregnant yes she was she wasn't drinking and taking drugs when she was pregnant Mm -hmm. at all but you know you can imagine the comments and things that were happening Anyway, Lily got quite sick after the birth. She'd septicemia and had to go back to hospital. But, you know, she recovered. She went on to have two more kids. And uh, after child number three, she decided she wanted to get back to work. Mm-hmm. She recorded at home, then set off on tour. Um, and her first single, Hard Out There, was well received, but soon changed when the release of the video came out and she was accused of being racist. Really? In yeah, in the video, there's there's dancers. She's got she's got some clothes on. She's dancing, but she's not like as scantily dressed mm-hmm. as the dancers. And there's black dancers there, and she slaps one of their asses. And it was seen as in like white people controlling black people. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was accused of being racist. I mean, the choreographer was black and selected those dancers and dressed them and helped create that video. There were two white dancers, two Asian, and two black. But um, the thing is, whatever way you look at it, it was probably quite a naive thing that that was overlooked in that in that video. And Lily even says that herself, and she became a, a lot more aware mm-hmm. of these issues after that. A lack and of felt, judgment, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I don't think she meant it in a racist mm-hmm. way at all. But that's you know, she upset quite a lot of. Um, quite a lot of people with that but the song the song is actually about misogyny in the music industry um, yeah. i think that was sort of missed in the music video um but one thing you might not know about lily actually was all of this not only was she um drinking taking drugs um that was obviously affecting her her attitude 
with with things and she was quite explosive uh, but she was also bulimic okay. yeah um and people I mean, kind of people kind of knew about it too mm-hmm. but didn't do anything about it uh like in terms of her management knew about it or her record company or the people that even, should be caring for her even, basically yeah um I mean, in her book, she talks about this very honestly, so I won't go into all the details mm-hmm. here. Um, but it's certainly something I never knew about her. All that trolling tabloid crap, playing mm-hmm. women off each other and being image-focused and all of that. She was also 17. I mean, like, you do not need to be hearing this at that time in your life. Like, I mean, I think back to myself when I was that age. It's just unnecessary. Okay. I know. It's it's just, you know, you're, you're very self-conscious at that age anyway. Mm. In one sense, people were saying... Oh, you just don't know who to believe because in one one interview, someone is giving you a glowing review, and then the very next mm-hmm. day, they're absolutely stabbing you in the back. It's you know. Anyway, so I wanted to just quickly read um, an article, not a whole article, just a headline and snippet of it. Go just for to it. see, just just to, and this is this is one of the more polite ones. So, bare-faced Lily Allen is caught off guard as she leaves restaurant pulling a funny face. And this was in the Daily Mail and it says the perils of being a pop star mean occasionally being caught off guard by the ever present paparazzi. Lily Allen was snapped wearing no makeup and pulling a rather funny face as she left a restaurant on Monday evening with her laptop and a bundle of papers grasped in one hand. Lily tried to hot foot it from the restaurant to her waiting car without getting wet. But in the process, pulled a series of strange facial expressions. What the fuck? Why is that even news? Like... Jesus Christ. Anyway, that's, you know, because I didn't really want to give... I thought that was quite... It's ridiculous. <laughs> find something else to write about, man. Like, that's just stupid. Anyway, while she was on tour away from her family, she started to explore sex. She's clearly having a breakdown, I think. Mm-hmm. She was on such a self-destructive path. She slept with men and women. And with the women, because it started off with women, and she sort of felt like it wasn't cheating um, yeah. if it was with Why? women. I know. Look, she was just convincing it. I think when you're doing something, you try come up with all reasons to justify it. Yeah. Now, she had a loving partner at home, great kids. She was on tour. She felt absolutely guilty mm-hmm. and torn because in one sense, you know, she's Lily Allen, the pop star. But on the other side, she's mum and she didn't know, and wife and sister and daughter. Yeah. And she just didn't know how to put all of these things that were her together as one person. Um, anyway, so she even hired female escorts. Really? Yep. Listen to the song Family Man. It's about that. It documents um, this time, actually. But, I mean, needless to say, when she returned to London, her marriage was pretty much over, and she overdosed on drugs and alcohol. It, it, and there doesn't really seem to be any sort of intervention at all, really, yeah. within this. She's just... And I suppose it's the case of if you're within her world and you're the one getting hurt, then perhaps you're not going to really be like, OK, I know why she's doing this. You just, you know... I kind of feel like a lot of people are making a lot of money off of her and someone should have yeah. taken a little bit of responsibility. Oh, just basic decency. The media loved her. They loved her for, you know, mm-hmm. stumbling out of a club... You know all of the wild stories. Mm. It you know it sold magazines. It sold people. People loved all it's that, and in turn, right? it sells. It, it sells records. Mm-hmm. But anyone who's a real fan of hers isn't buying a record because of her falling out of a fucking club. You know. No. Um, anyway, so she had an overdose, but she was starting to get back on her feet when something a little sinister happened. 
So in 2015, she was woken up. She was in bed. It was one one thirty a.m. something like that. But there was loud banging mm-hmm. on her bedroom door. Now she locked her door. Her bedroom door was locked. Sorry, because she had her boyfriend over, and her daughters hadn't met Dan, her boyfriend, yet. Yeah. So he came over late night. And she didn't want her kids wandering in and meeting him in that in that way. So she locked her bedroom door. So, you know, half asleep, she just thought it must be Sam, her ex, who'd come over and was annoyed at her for, you know, the door's locked, why have you locked the door or whatever. She opens the door to find some scary fucking man yelling at her. She had no idea who he was. And to cut a long story short, um, she had had a stalker for seven years, but she hadn't really connected the dots. So loads of things happened, but remember, she'd been trolled by loads of people. So, you know, she, she didn't really know who this person was or connect him to other activity she got him out called the police they didn't take it seriously and they especially didn't take it seriously when she discovered that a handbag had been nicked they were like oh it's just a burglary mm-hmm. um, when initially they said oh it's just a drunk man who got the wrong house but then when she discovered her handbag was gone oh it's a burglary they didn't take it seriously after the incident of being in the flat something niggling was on her mind about it and she looked back at old like Instagram posts and she yeah. saw posts from this person called Alex Gray, although his his Twitter handle was um, something like Lily Allen is R.I.P. What? Yeah. And at this point, the, the police aren't taking anything no, no, seriously? No, so she looks back, she finds these messages, she does a Google search, she finds all these tweets, she's like, oh my God, this person's actually been around for ages. Then she tweaks as in, he's the person that when she wrote The Fear, he she got loads of letters from someone saying, mm-hmm. I wrote that song. And even when she played a gig at Coco, the, she could see there was someone holding up a banner saying, I wrote The Fear, where's my money, bitch? What? And then also, when her assistant was at her flat, um, this man showed up at the door, rung the doorbell, her assistant opens the door. He says, is Lily home? She's like, no, who are you? He says, I'm Alex and one of her friends. She's like, oh, well, she's not here. And then he just snatches some post from the hallway table and runs off. What? So this dude's been around for like a while yeah. now. Anyway, anyway, so the, the housebreaking was sort of like the, mm-hmm. the end of this stalking thing. But, you know, she it, she totally withdrew from friends, family, the mm-hmm. lot. She just felt like she really wasn't safe. And, um, you know, as I say, read... There's there's loads on this online, and I read a lot from that about you know she talks about it in a number of articles. There's a great one in the Guardian actually that mm-hmm. you should read if if you don't have time to read a whole book. You know that's on this. Well, no, if you don't, there's a lot of information about everything that I've said on online. Yeah. Um. So you can you can find out about that. But point is, so it goes to trial in 2016, I think, and he is kind of you know he. He's found guilty of stalking. Mm-hmm. But the police, they didn't take it seriously at all, even when it went to trial. And, you know, she got transcripts of emails that this guy had sent to his mother. And his mother had actually re- reported to the police. Really? Um, about this guy. Because he said, and this was um, around the time that he broke into a flat, that he, he said something like, um, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill a, a pop star. So he had the intention of actually Jesus. killing her. Um, and the police just did not take that seriously at all. So shame, shame on you. But that happens. And what she says in her book is like, you know, I had money 
to get mm-hmm. a solicitor, mm-hmm. to get a security system put in place, yeah. all of this stuff. What is going on with seeing that one in five women will have a stalker in their lifetime? What do those women do if the police aren't going to take you seriously? You That's know, scary. That's she was really like, you know, scary. I was in a better position and still look what happened to me. You know, yeah. so I think she's right. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, Lily had a third breakdown not long after this and was admitted to the Nightingale Clinic. Um, she went, like, actually insane. She was, like, headbutting kitchen cabinet. She was mm-hmm. just... She stubbed out cigarettes on herself and just, it, you know, this it was the straw that broke the camel's back. She's still really young and all this stuff's happened yeah. to her. Um, anyway, so she goes to Nightingale Cl- Clinic and she does recover and she seems stronger than ever and a bit more clear as to who she is and a sense of acceptance. She's someone who's been dragged around town by the press, bullied, vilified, praised, adored, and then kicked to the curb. She's been through breakdowns, breakups, horrendous loss, um, terrifying invasions, and all at the time she was just trying to discover who she was in a complete Mm -hmm. media circus. But that stuff aside, she is refreshingly outspoken. Um, She does things her own way musically and is not a success because of her dad. She's a grafter and is successful in her own right because she's unique. She's talented. She's a human being. She sees the world in a way that, you know, we can all relate to. I think Mm -hmm. it's fair to say of her lyrics. She is Lily Allen. So on that note, so we sh- shall we have some more music maybe? Yeah, who are you playing again? So today I'm playing the Sea Monsters. Um, they're a really, really fab band and I'm playing their track, How To Be Famous.
that was the Sea Monsters and How to Be Famous. They're an awesome band. If you don't know them, I really think you should go and check them out. Um, you can find them on Facebook. They're the Sea Monsters. On Twitter, they're Sea Monsters Music, which is the letter C, Monsters Music. Uh, also, their band camp is Sea Monsters Music bandcamp.com so definitely like in these times it's quite hard for smaller bands probably um to try and keep things going keep the momentum running so definitely go and check out their band camp buy their music and if you do nothing else give them a stream right so who are you talking about this week again was it Courtney Love and her feuds yeah I mean I I felt like everything I've done has been super kind of serious so I thought I'd do something quite um and feuds isn't serious no, I thought I'd do something a little bit more light-hearted, but when I actually got into researching it, it's quite dark, actually. Well, I think that's the nature of feuds, really. I don't think they're a walk in the park, are they? No, really? it's not just feuds, but anyway, I'll come back to that. So, okay. um, should we start with probably the most famous one? Well, okay. not the most famous one. I'm not going to do the whole kind of like Dave Grohl, because that's already been written about a hundred times over, and probably better research than anything I could ever do even in lockdown with all the time time in the world on my hands. Um, I'm going to start with the Trent Reznor, Tori Amos, Courtney Love sort of triangle thing that was going on. Oh, I don't know about this. Really? No. I thought that's something you'd be aware of. No, I, mean, I, I avoid, I, I I avoid gossip. Oh, this, this whole section Abs- is pure gossip. Like, there's yeah. a lot of gossip in here. When you see my, um, my sources... I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've actually got OK Magazine as a source. <laughs> Perfectly fine for this podcast. I mean, I don't know. I try to avoid it as well. It's like, I'll never click on the Daily Mail. But well, what can you do? OK. So uh, this started off like Trent Reznor and Tori Amos, whatever they were, they might have been friends. They might have been more than friends. I guess they're the only two people that I actually know. But what is quite clear is they definitely had a lot of kind of mutual respect for each other. Um, There's a lot of sources that say they cite each other as in like musical influences. Um, They were, they they definitely had a lot of, even if not in a romantic sense, but a lot of love going on for each other. It's fair to say they were close or whatever level Mm -hmm. that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, So Courtney Love ends up going on tour with Nine Inch Nails. And I mean, at this point, like it was, I think it was about a year after Kurt Cobain had killed himself. So she's a young kind of sort of grieving widow. There's, she's probably not in a very good place. I mean, like Trent Reznor described her as like completely intoxicated the entire time and a complete fucking mess, which is something that she completely owns and admits to. She's not denying that. But what came of that was while they were on this tour, whether it was something that actually happened or not. It was definitely something like it was something in her mind, at least that there was a relationship between them. You know, I mean, like, so hang, her... hang on, hang on. So she thought they, that, that there was, there was something sexual going on between them. There was some, they were in some sort of relationship. What? I mean, it's hard to say really, because a lot of it is basically based around gossip columns. I mean, like obviously Courtney Love is massive sort of, we use the term like clickbait now, but at that point, she was someone that could sell a lot of papers. Like, she was the widow of Kurt Cobain, right? Yeah. So there was a lot of gossip and a lot of kind of stories going around about her. I mean, he says, like, that, you know, 
he was saying that she she was someone that was quite broken and quite damaged. And I kind of feel like that there was no one really looking after her. I mean, there was something that I read about. There was a night after a show where she was completely wasted and like lying drunk on a table and people were just taking photos of her. And it's like, you know, kind of like what you were saying about Lily Allen, like who was actually looking after her and who was taking care of her? But anyway, this kind of story, I'm getting sidetracked here. Um, I mean, like, you know, there were a lot of famous quotes that she made about it, about, you know, you shouldn't call your band nine inch nails if you've got a three inch and things like that. So she was also sort of fueling this as well. But I mean, so can I just because it's not clear mm-hmm. to me right now. So you said so someone started to rumour that there had been something between them mm-hmm. and it's not verified, mm-hmm. but there was some bitchiness. Is that what you're saying? Now? Yeah, I mean, it's, there's a whole load of bitchiness. I mean, the rumours were that, you know, like she'd broken into his hotel room while they were on tour that she'd got pregnant by him and how much of this is true none of us know really but they had some sort of falling out so she's saying so she's because it's not just rumors then is it if she's turning around and saying he's got a three inch dick she's obviously seen Mm -hmm. his dick if she's saying that right i mean i mean he says no i mean like his his take was that she was really pissed off because like he wouldn't be her boyfriend and it wasn't going to be like a big romance of the century kind of thing but her take is that something did go on between them. I mean, like, it led to him writing a song called Starfuckers Inc. Oh, nice. Which is like, exactly, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, it's quite a brutal song. I don't know if you've heard it. And, like, also in the video, there's kind of like a sort of a, whether it's meant to be Courtney Love or not, it certainly kind of looks like her and it's a little bit of a, not the nicest portrayal of her. Hmm. Okay. So yeah. So it's it's not. So there is rumours, but it's both mm-hmm. of them as well that are basically getting into this public bitch fight. Really spat. Yeah. Total yeah. spat. I mean, but like where kind of Tori Amos comes in is that apparently um, it sort of destroyed the relationship between Trent Reznor and Tori Amos, and I mean, like he says, it was down to like sort of malicious meddling from Courtney Love. Read into that what you will. No, carry on, sorry. Yeah, no, I was going to say, well, to be honest, I mean, it sounds it sounds like obviously childish behaviour on both sides, and I don't know mm-hmm. a great deal about this, but if he's going to do a music video that is really nasty about mm-hmm. someone, some, some of your friends are not going to agree with that, mate. You are going to, you know, lose some friends over being an arsehole. But then so did yeah. Courtney, right? Like, I'm not saying, you know, at the time, you know, she was famous for 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 not being very nice to people too so um yeah and then also like um Tori Amos wrote a song called Professional Widow which I mean like she's never come out and said that's written about Courtney Love credit to her like she's never really gone into that too much I mean she says it's about her own experiences not based on her but then there's other interviews that I've seen where you know people have said that it's about her about Courtney Love rather sorry and she's been quite evasive about it almost like kind of smirky about it, if that makes sense. And I think a lot of the press really sort of latched onto that song. So I, I, I need to hear that song from Tori Amos. I need to listen to that again. It's what I like about this. So I'll listen to it with a, a new, a new view because I didn't know that. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like it's, it's quite hard to say. I mean, I started this podcast sort of researching songs that were about Courtney Love and these two songs definitely came up, but 
I don't know. I think it's like it's so open to interpretation, isn't it? Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. And I don't I don't think you should just I mean, I'm going to listen to it because now obviously there's a different context to mm-hmm. it. Um, to, you know, a song that I enjoy, but it's certainly not going to change my view of the song or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And people take from music what they they want. Right. You know, it shouldn't matter what the well, I mean, it does matter what the person who wrote it intention was with that song I suppose but you know I think it's people do just take their own meaning from from things anyway sorry I'm rambling moving on what what I found kind of strange about the whole situation was that there was such a sort of press interest in it if that makes sense and this is before the time of like where the internet was a massive thing I mean subsequently like let's be real Courtney Love has taken to the internet and Twitter bashed a lot of people but at the start, this was all written in print, and it's like, how how did you feel like this was such a newsworthy situation? Well, I suppose having a song written about you is, you know, and the whole drama around it, uh, it's again, it's the media circus, isn't it? It's mm. like a glimpse into someone's life, and this is someone that, um, that I don't condone some of the stuff that not that she needs my approval to do anything, but, no. you know, there's there's been a lot of shitty behaviour, but also there's been a lot of addiction involved, a husband who's killed himself, mm-hmm. a child to look after, the pressures of being a celebrity and and almost becoming um, this, this cartoon of yourself. Yeah. Right? And playing up to that. And then, you know, who is the real me? Who isn't? Where does, where, where is the line of, of that from, from rock star performer that you know bad behavior is is absolutely celebrated and condoned and expected to I actually I need to be a bit of a normal person here with mm-hmm. a child and how you manage all of that when you've got a drug addiction and all of this crazy stuff going on around you so yeah don't do I drugs al- you'll be an arsehole I also kind of feel like if that was a male behaving like that it would have been maybe reported slightly differently absolutely and a lot like that that part of the story anyway like a lot of the language that's used around it I mean it's not like she confirmed something it's like she confessed it's like so dramatic and so do you know what I mean yeah yeah totally over the top well it was all you know a lot of the headlines I could find about Lily Allen which was why I didn't want to and I'm not going to repeat them focused so much. I mean, there, there were a lot of good music reviews as well, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. But, you know, the mass of domination of, of terrible headlines about someone's look, someone's behaviour of coming out. Yeah. Just absolute gossip and fueling this this situation. And I suppose stars at that time kind of help that that engine keep running when they've got problems and, mm-hmm. and they keep doing things in public that, you know, an everyday person who's going through a breakdown would do and, and um, obviously that's not going to be talked about, but all of this is in the public eye, which then fuels further their behaviour yeah. perhaps. But, you know, that's that's me pretending to be some sort of psychologist here. And no, but not, I think there's something but... in what you said about kind of almost becoming like a caricature of yourself, if that makes sense, and yeah. needing to like sort of keep that rolling. And I feel like with Courtney Love, there, there was a lot of that. It was like, what is she going to do next kind of thing? Yeah, more outrageous and more outlandish. That's what they wanted, more, 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 really. That's that's what I, I remember. I mean, I was a big fan of of Hull. Mm-hmm. Um, still am, still love, love music. Um, I wasn't a fan of Courtney's 
behavior but that's why yeah. i just stopped reading stuff like that because it's like i just want to enjoy the music rather than have that tainted by all of this other stuff going yeah. on really i mean okay we've gone completely off on a tangent here Sorry. and no my fault as well and neither of us are psychologists but anyway going from two supposed songs that were potentially written about courtney love to one that was generally acknowledged I'm going to talk a little bit about Gwen Stefani and Courtney Love. So in 2004, uh, Gwen Stefani released Hollaback Girl, which was widely reported to be a kind of com- comeback song. Comeback record. Yeah, fair to say. Comeback song to something that Courtney had said about her. Um, the quote was... Being... Oh, a, com- a comeback song as in like a response to something yeah. that Courtney Love... Right, okay, yeah. sorry, I thought you meant comeback as in for her career, but... Um... No, Uh, no, she had a pretty bloody good career, didn't she? I mean, between No Doubt and her personal stuff, she did pretty good. Um, So apparently Courtney had said, uh, being famous is just like being in high school, but I'm not interested in being a cheerleader. I'm not Gwen Stefani. Um, And then she kind of continues on about, like, you know, how she's in the smoking sheds, like being the kind of cool girl, if that makes sense. But all of this kind of went back to a little bit prior to that. Um. So Gwen Stefani was famously married to Gavin, is it Rossdale? Yeah, yeah. The guy from Bush. Yeah. Do you know who I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bush. Swallowed, hollow. <laughs> and that is my impression. Oh, my days. Okay, so the next time we get asked to do some kind of, you know, lockdown thing, I want to see a cover of that. Okay, I'm doing, I'm doing one for Benumu, so maybe I'll do that. Knock it out, knock it out. Um, but so, uh, where was I? Okay, we're talking about the guy from Bush and Gwen Stefani. <laughs> okay, so um, they kind of met when the when Bush and No Doubt were on tour, started a relationship, had a little break during this time. Uh, the guy from Bush, so I'm going to call him Gavin Rostell, were uh, decided to kind of have a little affair fling dating whatever you want to call it with with Courtney Love um from that time she says that everyone gave her so much shit because Gavin sounded so much like Kurt I mean your opinion on that is your opinion whether you think he's got his own sound or he's trying to copy someone else it's kind of neither here nor there for me we're talking about the press and about how they portray people and about the kind of headlines and people being like very much kind of a clickbait money ticket type thing. But I think this is an example of where she doesn't always help herself. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you go out saying something like that, of course, people are going to latch onto it. But was that in the press before she said that? Or did she put that in the press? That's a direct quote from her. Oh, fuck. Right. Oh, okay. Um, I've done my research. You've done your research. Yeah, but who are all these people that are saying that? Maybe that was something that had been written about before, because that's what she's saying, right? Yeah, I mean, that's that's probably fair to point as well. If anyone wants to go and research this, you have our corrections email address. But anyways, so on to this. So, like, um, Gavin Rostow and Gwen Stefani get married. Um, she's quoted as saying that quote about being famous like being in high school and like directly naming Gwen Stefani in a magazine called 17 which I'm guessing is something like an American just 17 and like Gwen Stefani took a little bit of offense to this she was like you know that's totally not cool that's not something that was seen as being cool in high school and I don't know where she's coming back from that 
she went off and wrote Hollaback Girl with, I think it was Pharrell Williams, um, and actually went out in the press and said like that she was being bullied by her, which might be a little bit dramatic, but, well, it is what it is. But what I think is quite, what I quite like about it is that in the video, she's kind of got all the references there to being a cheerleader. Like, she's there, she's in the cheerleader garb. I mean, the lyrics for the song reference, like, the bleachers, kind of, like, meeting up without teachers, things like that. And, yeah, it's like, it's a, if you want to have, like, a comeback song to something that someone's ups, made you upset about, I think it's a great example of it. But Courtney Love also took it a little bit further. She wasn't just going to leave it there. This was in 2004. And then in 2013, she's still kind of referencing this sort of weird tabloid feud they've got going on. Um, And she goes, at this point, um, I don't know if you know that Gwen Stefani has a clothing clothing label. Yeah, I do, yeah. At this point, uh, Courtney Love was launching her own clothing label. And she kind of sort of just starts going after anything that she can I mean she's like sort of saying that you know all of this everything that Gwen Stefani's built up herself is down to her husband it's or her ex-husband now that it's nothing to do with her I mean her quote was she would never would have bet it like the funny thing is I never would have bet on Gwen back in the day um and that her fucking empire has been built up by her husband because he's got nothing else to do his band never really did anything so as much as I have sympathy for her, like in terms of, or when I say her, Courtney, in terms of, you know, the way the press has treated her, she doesn't ever help herself, and she kind of just keeps going back to these feuds, which is something she she is she she does come. She is a bully. She is a bully. Like there are loads of stories mm-hmm. out there of her like losing her shit in a rehearsal and throwing a guitar at the bass player, and then the bass player leaving. And so I don't know if that's true, but. Um, you know, again, I'm like playing up to that, but it's just like even the quotes from her, which is why I've just stopped reading anything. Yeah, because it, you know she's just she's just been a dick to some people, and she admits that, but mm-hmm. doesn't seem to be sorry for it. And I just think this girl on girl bullying shit has to stop, really. Mm-hmm. And who cares if Gwen Stefani's husband helped her build a clothes brand, whether he did or not? It doesn't matter. What who cares why is that a problem why are they not allowed to work together on something why is that a wrong thing I don't know I mean I kind of feel like there is a lot of problems that she's brought on herself but when I've been researching this I found it quite quite sad in a way like that someone needs to behave like this but is it a case of you know like what I was saying about the cartoon thing that it is Mm. just that's you know she was her her whole persona was built on her being this rebel girl and and doing crazy mad things and saying things that, you know, perhaps one shouldn't say in the media Mm -hmm. about other things that that drew a lot of attention and that she kind of has had to keep that going because that is the persona of Courtney Love. So how much of it is her? How much of it is just the star Mm. of Courtney Love? Or have those lines just completely blurred and I, I don't know. I don't know. I think like from what I've read, a lot of it is about control as well. Yeah. And needing to control something. But at the same point, if I'd been through what she'd been through, maybe I'd do the same. It's funny you should mention Rebel Girl, actually, because my last story is about her and Kathleen Hanna. Ah. And I so... didn't know that. That's a really nice thing. <laughs> hey, get me. <laughs> 
Do you know what? If we can plan this in the future, that would be bloody brilliant. It wouldn't come off as well. I don't even know if it did come off well. But um, yeah, there we go. So go on. Tenuous link, but I'm getting into it. So um, they're on tour on Lollapalooza. Yeah. So this was 95. And what a banging festival tour that would have been. Like There were some amazing people playing on that. Like Sonic Youth on it, Hole on it, Bikini Kill, Beck. I mean... That's like a festival lineup to die for, right? But yeah. anyway, digress. So, I mean, this is like, again, it's like a year after Kurt Cobain committed suicide and she's like a little bit of a emotional train wreck, I'm guessing, at that, at that point. Yeah. So they're backstage at this and I don't know how it all came about, um, but apparently she, like someone said to her, oh, that's Kathleen Hanna over there. And she just walked over and either through, and depending on your source, it can be one of three things here, a punch, a pint, or a bowl of sweets at her. <laughs> okay. Um, and has, has either party confirmed that something happened? No. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely happens. Like, it's, it, there's eyewitnesses to it. The rest okay. of her band saw it happening. This definitely happened. Um, and I don't care what was thrown. The only thing that I actually care that, genuinely happened was Kathleen Hannah turned around and said to her do you know what come to any university in America and I'll debate feminist politics with you and that is what I genuinely hope happens because what a response if someone's just being a dick and throwing something at you and you're like do you actually want to go and have a chat about it in a realistic way fair play to Kathleen Hannah for that I mean and going like I think part of that kind of sort of goes back to the control thing I mean she, as in Kathleen Hanna, was like, and Bikini Kill were widely cited as Nirvana as being like an early influence of them. They mm. were mates. Uh, I think one of the, was it the drummer dated either Kurt Cobain or the guitarist from Nirvana? I don't know. Definitely one of the two. And um, like Kathleen Hanna was credited with like naming smells like Team Spirit. So there's a bit of jealousy or something mm. going yeah, on there. Definitely. And like, I suppose I think it's fair to say she lost her husband. Mm. She was drinking and partying way too much. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't excuse dickish behaviour because there's a lot of people who um, drink a lot and take a lot of drugs and don't behave like that. So it's fair. But I also kind of feel like at some point that Hull's management should have stepped in. I mean, at the same time, if you believe the rumours that are true about about Courtney Love, maybe she's not someone that can be managed, but someone should have been looking after her a little bit better. Well, yeah, but I mean, I suppose if you look back at um, her childhood mm-hmm. and her growing up, um, you know, the, the, whole, the whole way that, you know, her band shot to fame. And again, there's this thing that, you know, she couldn't have done it on her own, obviously. Uh, it was It was Kurt Cobain who wrote, Hole's album and made her successful. You know, there's there's that thing like a woman can't just be successful on her own back. It's, yeah, and I think that's you know, also very that if you're like if you're a performing art, if you're a musician, that's something that's going to be really hard to hear about yourself, right? I mean, exactly. it's like you've worked for this, you've kind of put your blood, sweat, and tears into it, and someone's trying to take it all away from you. Yeah, exactly. So no credit to you. It mm-hmm. was your boyfriend who wrote the songs, is what people were saying. I re- really remember that 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 rumor. Because there's there's such a there's such a difference between the first album mm-hmm. um, and the second album, but I don't think there is. I think there's 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 a progression in, in the way that it's written. But yeah, go for it. 
Did you know the first album was produced by Kim Gordon? No, I didn't, actually. Pretty on the Inside is produced by Kim Gordon, if you believe the internet. I mean, I've not looked at the record sleeve myself, but yeah. ah. I thought that was pretty cool. Again, I'm going to listen to that again today. Not in front of <laughs> Beth. It's a bit, you know, Donna picking up some words that are uh, in, in there. Um, oh, I don't know. Start them young with the correct educational <laughs> training in music. Oh, dear. But um, no, that was that was really cool, and it just it's yeah, it's it's made me want to listen back to sort of the old all of the old grunge, grunge stuff. But what I would say is, you know, as much as I'm saying that, I think that there's a lot of bullying, and frankly, I'm scared of Courtney Love um, behaviour. Do you know what? God forbid she picks up on this podcast and takes to Twitter. I am going to get annihilated. Oh, I don't care. You know what? We I might really have to delete our less. Twitter account. <laughs> no, no, let her, let her. Look, because I'm not, look, I'm saying I think, I think, you know, her band was absolutely ace. Mm. I think she's very talented. I think that there's been a lot in her life that's not been fair and not been great. I don't think the media's always been kind, but I don't think she's always been kind either to a lot of people and has caused herself a lot of pain. You reap what that. you sow, right? exactly exactly but do but you know but do, do i do i think that she shouldn't be celebrated as a musician and quite influential for the time of course she should be celebrated i love what whole whole did not mm-hmm. wish wish um that they would get back together and do another album but you know that's i don't think that's going to happen i think whole was the first gig we went to together as well it was, or was it? Was it? It was either that. That was at Brixton Academy, mm-hmm. um, or it was Blur at Myland Stadium. I think it might have been Blur. The whole tickets were my my birthday present from my parents, I think, or someone. I don't remember. Oh no, no, actually, it wasn't a present from my parents because I said that we were going midnight ice skating and staying at my sister's flat. Um, because I was quite young and shouldn't have been going to Brixton when we went to that that gig. I had strict parents. So whenever I wanted to go out and do anything, I was going midnight ice skating and staying at my sister's. Of course you were. Yeah. I, you know, I should I should be so good at ice skating, really. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope Beth doesn't listen back to this and get ideas. Indeed. Anyway, I think... Should we? Yeah, let's wrap. Let's wrap this up. So tonight we played Chemtrails and Sea Monsters, who are both fantastic bands. So please do check them out. And if you have bands you want us to play, if you have a story that you want us to tell, please do drop us an email at rockpoprambles at gmail Or actually, you could tweet us at Bugeye Band or message us on Facebook at Bugeye Music. I think that's all of our all of our handles. Anyway, so. That's it for another week. And that's us over and out. Yes, sir.